Welcome to the 95th episode of the Young Terps Podcast from the Viner Fourgate Studio. This is your host, Mason Viner, and today from a snowy DMV, we're talking Maryland 66 to 65 win over the Iowa Hawkeyes, and of course, all your non rev news. But before we get into all that, this podcast is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin party rental resource. Allied has what you need, whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival. Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you are looking for. Wayne from Turp Talk has known Donnie at Allied since 1995. Located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland, and serving the entire DMV, contact Allied today for a free no obligation quote at 301-986-0067 or visit them on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan, now for the Terrapin Rundown. Well, to kick things off on the non-rev report, as always, Blade Terps will host Minnesota at 7 p.m. tomorrow. That game will air on BTM Plus if you can't make it out to College Park. Um, wrestling will play Rutgers on Friday at Xfinity Center. Gymnastics will next compete in the Big Ten and the Big Five match in Toledo featuring five Big Ten teams, Michigan State, Nebraska, Iowa, Penn State, alongside Maryland. Yep, um, keep moving here. Tennis broke a three-game losing skid with a 4-2 win over Delaware on the road. And they will next travel to Manhattan to face the Columbia Lions. Men's golf struggled in the Puerto Rico Classic and ended up being tied for last place at 14th. They will look to rebound in the Schenkel Invitational down in Georgia. But on the women's side, the club impressed with a win, or not a win, but a strong placement of fifth place in the Moon Golf Invitational out of 16 teams. And they don't play again until middle of next month with the Tar Heel Classic in the Dominican Republic. Yeah, that's a long break. Softball will play this weekend in the Amy S. Harrison Classic out in Riverside, California. They will play Portland State, UC Riverside twice, and UNLV baseball will host the main Black Bears as they open up their home slate with three games starting on Friday. And to round things off here, the number two women's lacrosse team will play Sunday against number three UNC at noon in College Park. That big game will air on BTN. Yeah, that's always good to see. And the third-ranked men's team topped 16th-ranked Colgate yesterday, 11-6 to in College Park. I did not. Get out there. I know Wayne and Bruce were out there, so you can check TurfTalk.com for all of the post-game reactions. And our other bigger news item before we get to the basketball game would be the Terps landed former Virginia Tech starting quarterback Josh Jackson via transfer earlier this week. Can't say I'm surprised, but it's, well, I kind of still am, even though I shouldn't be. I'm not surprised at all. This one was in the makings. For really a long time, a lot of people have been talking about it. Of course, it was reported a long time ago by our friends over at Terrapin Times that it looked like this was going to happen. Now, what I this really does excite me. Josh Jackson will have between three and two years of eligibility left when he reaches College Park. Right now, it sits at two, and I think he's going to go for the NCAA waiver for last year to make that three years of eligibility left for the quarterback. Is This guy was really good in his freshman redshirt season. He had a, a great first year. He has connections with another guy that will be playing for Maryland next year, the transfer, the other transfer from Virginia Tech at this time, Sean Savoy. 
it's just overall really positive move for Maryland. It gives them another option at quarterback. And to be honest, I think this guy, Josh Jackson, will be the starting quarterback. Well, it does seem that way. If you lend a transfer of a stature, generally that means he will start. Of course, there's no guarantees in football or in life, but that does seem to be the writing on the wall here. He he was very good as a freshman, you know, two, 20 touchdowns, nine interceptions, started every game. But last year, he only played three games due to leg injury, so that's going to be something to keep an eye on as we watch his progression here. He sh- should be back to full strength by the time the season starts, but we've had dicey luck with injuries in the past. Yeah, the uh, other thing is, well, you can, do you have something else? Oh, I didn't really have much else to say. It's just that I don't think it's a given just because Piggy is going, you know, he's going to gun for the starting spot along with Josh Jackson. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. If you really look at it, the transfer or the grad transfer quarterback, it doesn't really work. It, there are a few examples of when something like that has ended very positively. Now, in this case, you're talking about a guy that's got more than one year, so that increases those odds a little bit more. But it's another transition. It doesn't look like he's going to get to Maryland till the summer. It's just, it's not a great situation, but it's definitely a better one than Maryland was in before. Well, at least gives you options. And he's not, like you said, he's not really traditional grad transfer either. He's going to be playing Maryland for two to three years. And grad transfer quarterbacks don't always go well, but transfer quarterbacks do seem to go better than grad transfers by themselves. Yeah, but you were talking about a guy that's going to come in and start. It's not like a Kyler Murray or a, one of those situations where the guy can come in, be a backup. This might be straight into the fire. In in that case, I don't really think there are many examples of a transfer doing very well. And because of that, I almost think he should maybe sit for a little bit because because. But this is this is grad- college. But to get his grad transfer requirement fulfilled, he has to finish out at Virginia Tech this spring. So that means there's he absolutely cannot come to Maryland until spring, summer. And if something happens, academically speaking, he may have to spend the summer at Virginia Tech, too. It's possible. I'm not saying it's likely, but it's possible. So I'm just saying that I don't want him to just throw him in if he's not ready to play. And I understand that... Loxley probably, let's be honest, he probably told him he was going to start if he comes here, you know, provided he doesn't, he's in a horrible training camp. So it puts us in that situation, I think. I don't think it's, it's definitely a better situation with Kasim looking like he's going to miss almost the entirety of this next season. Um, we've seen Borton Schlager, that hasn't looked necessarily great. We've seen Piggy, and at times it's looked good, but at times it's just, let's be honest, it just hasn't worked. Um, Lejean comes in. He's a freshman. I don't really, I would not be really that in favor of playing him. Uh, Dassault, I just don't really think he's much a quarterback. So Maryland's in an overall better state from this. Um, there's a lot to like here, but we're going to have to see it play out. Obviously, there was an injury last year to this kid. But if you go back and you look at, I've seen it posted a few places, his highlight tape from his freshman year, It's, all, it's actually it's up on Turp Talk too. 
there's a lot to like. This kid can make plays. He can run. It is a very ideal quarterback for the Michael Oxley system. Well, with that in mind, I guess we're just going to have to hope it works and keep going here. Yeah, we. It's definitely. It's just adds more excitement. It just keeps this uh, Michael Oxley train rolling on. Speaking of trains that have uh, kept on rolling on, the Maryland basketball road gauntlet kept on rolling last night with the first ranked win in 11 years. The last time was at number one North Carolina in 2008. Jordan, do you remember that game? No. I will be honest, I do not think I do. I'm sure if someone showed me a highlight tape or something, I would probably remember it. But at the moment, I can't say I do. Well, last night on Twitter, there was a lot of, you know, the last time I beat Maryland, I mean, that Maryland beat a ranked team on the road, I was... I mean, think about what was going on in the sports scene around here. Uh, the Wizards still had Gilbert Arenas, Antoine Jameson, Karan Butler. The Redskins were still playing in, I think it was an above 90,000 seat stadium. And there was just, it was so different. But, hey, I mean, it's been a drought. It certainly has been. Maryland had lost 27 straight road ga- uh, road ranked games since that happened. I mean, it's been a while, and I didn't see this game. I had, frankly, a lot going on last night, and I even get it to chance to rewatch it yet. I've been so busy, but it looked like Maryland was going to win by a lot for a little bit, just looking at my phone, and then things kind of decayed. Is kind of what it looked like to me. Yeah, that's that's about what happened. Maryland was up, I think, at one point by 12. It was either 11 or 12. And Aaron Wiggins shoots a three, and it doesn't go in. At that moment, when that ball didn't go in, I knew that this game was going to be close. Because there, you have that chance. You're going up 15. You're going to make a run and kind of finish off this game. And Maryland missed that pivotal shot. Right there, you could kind of point to it and say, Iowa is a good offensive team. Before this game, if you've seen them play, they're one of the best ones in the country. So when you kind of surrendered that chance to go up big, immediately it just came to my mind that Iowa was coming back. Well, just looking at the score, solely based on what I know, I'm going to say the man probably played the way they should have against Iowa because Iowa didn't score more than 70 points. And I'm actually going to check on the last time that happened, but it's been a while. Iowa likes to get out and run, and I assume they didn't let them do that. This game was pretty poorly played by both sides. For Maryland, you were strong on the defensive end, but as far as offense, I don't think they had a field goal made till around 10 minutes into the game, maybe even more. Um... Yeah, it was not a good offensive game by either team. Iowa was really slow coming out of the gate. Of course, Maryland had their usual slow start, then had to battle kind of back into even playing offensive basketball. It was another pretty much stock Maryland game. When I looked at this game on the schedule, and I might have said it on the last episode here, 
I've just been waiting for Maryland to play an exciting game. And if you said there's a good opponent on the road that likes to get out and run, maybe Maryland's going to push 80 in this game. It seems like they can do it. But then they come out, they slowed, they slowed the game down, they played their their game, their defensive style of basketball that gives you a really slow start, and then you have to really get those wheels turning 8, 10, 12 minutes into the game to be able to have that chance of winning. And usually you're down at that point, and I still think they were down at that point in this game. But when they hit their stride, they really hit it in this game. Um, interesting little statistic I just discovered here. That 65 points that I will put up against Maryland is the least points they scored all season. So wow. I commend the trips for that effort on defense. Um, I'll I'll read the box score off here, Mason, and you tell me, tell me what actually happened. Well, wait, first, of... first, okay. I, I found the first Maryland made field goal in this game was a dunk by Ricky Lindo, and the clock was at 13.20 in the first half. Oh, man, I missed it, Bardmer. All right, Bruno Frando goes for 30 minutes, two for five from the field, seven to eight from the line, excuse me, seven to eight from the line, 11 rebounds, couple blocks, three turnovers, three fouls, and 11 points. How do you do? Another strong performance by Maryland's leader. He had the game-winning tip-in for Maryland. He just gives Maryland it. I don't really know. There's not... There are ways to describe it, but I really don't think they do the big man down low, Bruno Fernando, very much justice. He Maryland just needs him. They need his heart. They need his effort. They need his size. And this is a game where Jalen Smith did not play much. He was pretty much on the bench for the falling action of this game, if you will. But Fernando yeah, plays hard. He rebounds the ball, and it might not always look good because Maryland relies on him so much. But at the end of the day, when you really, when it really comes down to it, Maryland needs Bruno Fernando. So what happened with Sticks? Only 14 minutes in this game. How? Why? He just wasn't good. Man, does that hurt for me to say. He's not strong with the ball. He's not a great passer. It just wasn't his game. Iowa forced the game to go small. And a guy who we both thought could have a big game. I feel like we keep on forgetting one thing about Jalen Smith. The size advantage doesn't play to him very well. Size advantage comes in when you're actual big man. When you're strong, you're physical with the basketball, you go up strong, you rebound hard. It's just, it's really starting to show through. When I first saw Jalen Smith played, he played against a guy named Devondre Perry for, jeez, I can't even remember. It was two years ago. It was his junior year. And this guy that he was playing against, it was for Baltimore Polytech. It was committed to Temple, and he just manhandled him. He took over the whole game. He was like 6'5". He was like Gary Williams player, just really played really hard basketball. And I said, this guy is a five-star recruit. And I said, I don't really think that will go well in the Big Ten where they just, you know, it's really physical basketball. That's starting to show. 
this game is just absurdly physical. And it just doesn't play well to the strengths of Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith is a good basketball player. But the size and overall body mass of him does, just doesn't play well regardless if the other guy is 6'6". And a, you know, like the guy Williams from Tennessee is not a big guy, but he's just... He's big in a different way. He's not tall, but he's wide. And that's just... There's a lot of that in the Big Ten. All right, well... I hope Stickleback is back soon. Okay, LA, 34 minutes, 4 of 8 from the field, 3 of 6 from deep, 4 boards, 4 assists, 11 points. Seems like a very Eric Ayala-ish game. Yeah, he made an amazing end of, I think it was end of shot clock. The ball got tipped around, he caught it. He jumped up with one of those like kick-out jumpers where he kicks his legs out because it was just threw it up there and it went in. He made some big plays for Maryland. Definitely just one of those guys that kind of sinks into the background of the game and then just pops out and makes a big shot or gives you something else that you just didn't have from anybody else. He's he's that guy from Maryland at this point. He's kind of set into that role of, hey, remember that I'm still here, you know, that kind of thing. Well, speaking of remember I'm still here, Daryl Marcel has his most minutes, and I even know how long, with 33 minutes, goes four of eight from the field, one of two from the line, three rebounds and assists, four turnovers, nine points. I assume he took a lot of the minutes at the four that sticks dropped out on. Yeah, he definitely did. Um, some boneheaded turnovers. There was a play where Maryland was running in transition, and Morcel just fired the ball. I think it was past either Jalen Smith or Bruno Fernando. He's just not a great offensive player. Uh, he gives Maryland some good minutes on defense, definitely does some good things, battles hard for the ball. He's just not it on offense, and that really shows through. Looks like we, we saw the return of Super Ant. Anthony Cowan had 40 minutes in this game, didn't hit the bench at any point is what it looks like. 5 for 15 from the field, but 5 of 10 from deep, 2 free throws made, 8 assists, 4 fouls, 17 points. Uh, how do you think he did? It's kind of hard for me to tell from the box score in this one. Well, I'll start from what he said after the game. He said that he didn't feel like himself regardless of his, probably his best performance in a long while. I thought that he was good. He gave Maryland exactly what they needed. They needed a Kickstarter on offense, and that was Cowan. Um, the five threes were well-timed and really from different varying ranges and varying difficulties of the three-point shot. He just gives Maryland so much in a game like this that Maryland desperately needed. Because Maryland wasn't playing well in offense. They were really slow. The three-point shot, the 12 threes that went in, really gave Maryland this win. And Anthony Cowan was obviously the largest generator of those three-point shots. So it's kind of hard to not give him that player of the game accolade. It's just, he did so much. It was You're right, it was the return of Super Ant. Oh. When I watch the game, I have to watch for that because I miss Anthony Cowan being the guy. Josh Tomajic was six minutes and three fouls in this one. Yeah, a lot of big foul trouble. There was a point where Tomajic, Fernando, and Jalen Smith all had three fouls. And that point of the game, or there were multiple points in this game, like that Ohio State game where you said you got to go to Tomajic and Lindo. Um, 
Let's see. As far as a player, though, he does some good things. He does some bad things. It's a pretty... He plays hard on defense, even though he fouls. It's really hard to judge him, honestly. Um, Ricky Lindo, one for one from the field. Only one rebound with two steals, eight minutes. Uh, not a great game. Not, not a strong performance by Ricky Lindo. Um... To be honest, I don't really think this game favored him or really Tomajic or really Jalen Smith. Um, it was more of a game where you had to play that kind of four-round one. The other team really wanted to stretch the floor with a lot of smaller guys. So Maryland's bigger bigger guys like Lindo. Um, not as much Tomajic because he was actually playing against another center and Jalen Smith. So Lindo and Smith really didn't have... I don't want to say he didn't have for Lindo a matchup on defense that favored him, but it just wasn't a wasn't working for Maryland's usual style where they could go to a Lindo and Fernando or Lindo and Jalen Smith. It just it's really hard to describe how off this game was in terms of the way Maryland played. But it just didn't it wasn't a night for Ricky Lindo or Joshua Tomajic. Uh, Sorrell Smith, six minutes, one of two from the field, one of two from deep. A rebound, a couple fouls, three points. Seems like a pretty standard game for him. Yeah, another guy that just pops off the bench and always seems to give you a big three from Sorrell Smith. I'm starting to think that I might want to see a little bit more of him. I know he doesn't generate much more than the three points. But I like I like the energy shift that he gives. I like the spark, the speed. He's not a great defender, but... Maryland's really slow on offense, and I know they can keep the other team to the same standard of being slow on offense, but I would just really like in one of these games to see Maryland go to a Sorrell Smith, or I know they're going to Aaron Wiggins now for 30, 28 minutes, but run a Sorrell out there. Go with the lineup of Cowan, Ayella, Sorrell Smith, Daryl Morcell, and Bruno Fernando. Try something out that's really going to get you out running on offense. It might not be the best defensive lineup ever. But you got to step back and take a look at what's upcoming. You're coming up on tournament time. The Big Ten tournament is not the same offensive dead zone that the normal Big Ten is known for being. I don't know if you agree with that or not, Jordan, but that's kind of like my approach. Is There are always these bad teams that get hot. And then they're throwing up, you know, 77, 80 points. And then, next thing you know, and for this team, I think this might have put them in. Then there's the NCAA tournament. Where you're playing against those lower-seeded conference champions that kind of feed off of, in the NCAA tournament, getting out, running, playing, you know, fast basketball that the March Madness is known for. So maybe you need to try out a lineup that can play and run with that. Maybe just for, you know, two minutes, maybe before a media timeout. You know, there are times in a game where you can try things out, even though it's conference time. And I think if you're Maryland, you need to try something out with that that gives you some spark and gives you some quick run. Well, the last guy on the end of this stat sheet here would be Aaron Wiggins. 29 minutes, 3 of 10 from the field. Three seven from three, and nine points. Seems like a bit of a rough day for Wiggins. 
although those three pointers could have been big. They were. It's in my opinion, it's really. I like Aaron Wiggins. I like the fact that I am happy with someone that shoots three for seven from three. He's not great with the dribble. He's not great on defense. He's a, bit, a lot better on defense than he was at the beginning of the season. But Maryland needs this guy. Just throws him up there. And you think they're going to go in every time. He's a true sharp shooting player. And I think that's something that this team needs to develop. And I think that guy is Aaron Wiggins. Well, on the whole, this looks like a pretty solid performance by the Trips, in my opinion. Oh, no, no. No, it was not. Well, at least defensively. Oh, defensively. Defensively, it was a good performance. And that's really what I was focusing on because Iowa is a very offensive team. And the fact they were able to keep Joe Westcamp and Luke Garza to seven points combined seems like a pretty solid win for me, at least in that regard. But offensively, yeah, it looks a bit patchy. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, Maryland in the first half, 8 of 26, 30%. In the second half, they really picked it up, 14 for 27, 51% from the field. That combines to 22 of 53, or 41.5%. Uh, from deep, Maryland probably, my opinion, had their most reliant game on the three. They made 12 of, out of the 28 that they took, giving them 42.9%. And they didn't get to the line much, only shooting 12 in the game, which they made 10 of. Um, take a look at Iowa here on the game. The Hawkeyes shot 32%, 19 for 58, 8 for 26 from 3, 30%, and 9 for 24 from the free throw line. So Iowa shot double the free throws of Maryland, and Maryland still kept the game low scoring, pulled it out at the end. It's just, I don't really know what to say about this game. It was a really slow game that really picked up in the second half, but at the same time, it's just so hard to say that I really like a performance from this Maryland team when they don't score till what was it, seven minutes in. The next field goal came 11 minutes into the game. I'm not a big fan of the slow starting team, but that's just me, and at the end of the day, a win is a win, and this Iowa team, regardless if they had to beat Northwestern and Rutgers at the buzzer, has won a lot of games against some pretty good teams and is really a team that I feel a lot of these experts are starting to catch on to and really like when it comes down to the tournament. So this was a big win for Maryland. Uh, with that said, I think it's about time to move on to our next matchup, which is a home bat with Ohio State. Two o'clock on Saturday. And Ohio State is part of the general crash down to earth Big Ten that we see this season. Yeah, but they're still on the bubble. They're still hunting for that tournament spot. So it should be... I'm going to say that it's a near-must-win for Ohio State. Um, Currently, they sit at a spot where they need definitely a quad one win on the road. But hey, I'm excited because there's a home game on a Saturday in College Park. That has not happened in a long while. Ohio State doesn't maybe need to need to win this game because they still play Maryland, then Iowa, then at Purdue, and Wisconsin. So they have a few chances here to get a marquee win. But rest assured, they will still be coming out going for it because 
man, have they fallen a long way. Yeah, and before we talk about this game, this podcast is also brought to you by Maryland Eurocars. When you're looking for someone to work on your European car, look no further than Maryland Eurocars. We have a few Audis in the family and some BMWs at the office, and we take our cars to Christian at Maryland Eurocars. Christian and his team know the way around Audis, BMWs, Mercedes, Bentleys, VWs, and many more makes. Always friendly, courteous, and honest, along with being an extra clean shop. Maryland Eurocars is the best place to take your prized automobile, and they are the most reasonably priced shop in town. Located in Rockville, you can reach Maryland Eurocars at 301-217-5831. Ask for Christian at 301-217-5831 and tell them that the Young Terps sent you. Jordan, I've been doing some quick Googling while we were talking about Ohio State's tournament chances, and I still have not located them on this bracket. Ohio State is currently a nine seed in the Joe Lenardi bracket. So there you go. They're in, but they're getting close to teetering on the edge of being pushed out. Oh, well, do you remember when people were talking about like Big Ten was going to have like ten or eleven teams in the tournament? I still think they have eight. Right now, they look like they have eight. If Ohio State can hold their ground, but some of these teams like Nebraska and Indiana have just fallen off so so far. It is amazing to me. But anyway, Ohio State was at one point, I think as high as 13 or something like that. Yeah, they were up there. They were up there around the time they played Maryland the first time. Um, Yeah, it was actually, they played Michigan State at um, the Value City Arena in Columbus. And it was the number 13 team against the number 8 team. Then they lost to Rutgers, Iowa, Maryland, Purdue before finally getting back in the win column against Nebraska. Since then, they've had it fairly easy. So since that Nebraska point, then they lost the game to Michigan. Uh, they beat Rutgers, Penn State. They had a comeback win at Indiana. But they've dropped the last two against Illinois, who's looking really good right now, and Michigan State. They will take on Northwestern. Is this game tonight? tonight. It is tonight at 8.30 on BTN if you want to get a look at them. And then they will play Maryland. So, in my opinion, from what we see, what we saw the first time, and how how Ohio State's played of late, I really struggle seeing around losing this game. Yeah, so do I. It's another one of these kind of. Um, they don't really score when they win. If you look at their um, scores in the loss column, they put up sixty-one the first time they played Maryland. 49 in their loss to Michigan, 56 in their loss to Illinois, and 44 against their most recent loss to Michigan State. So when they lose, they don't really score, which definitely plays into Maryland's strength. Uh, just for reference, our overall points per game is 70.6. Well, relatively speaking, that's not that low a number. Maryland only scores, I think, 72.5 points per game. So it's not that bad. In terms of players that you need to watch for, Ohio State is still led by the Weston brothers of Caleb and Andre, although Caleb has definitely proven himself more than Andre this season with 14 points and six rebounds per game. C.J. Jackson, the guard, always draws eyes, 12 points a game for him. But on the whole, they're, just, they're not that impressive a team talent-wise. No, and this has been the conversation since they were picked near the bottom of the Big Ten um, in the preseason. They don't have that much talent. 
they're not the high-flying Michigan State or Michigan. They're a pretty, to be honest, they're kind of a regular team that might have less than regular talent. But the coaching at Ohio State has always struck me, as, especially these past two seasons, as very good. I know, Jordan, that's one of your guys. Yeah, Chris Holtman, the coach of Ohio State, has won three conference coach of the years in the Big South, Big East, and Big Ten. And he is a fantastic coach. I just don't know how much he can really do when Ohio State just isn't – they're just not – they're maybe – they are a contender for the least talented team in the Big Ten, if we're being honest. They've just been able to work their way around that a lot, and props to them for doing that, but – they're just running out of juice recently. Yeah, if you're looking to go at to the game um, on Saturday at the Xfinity Center at 2, which will be aired on ESPN for maybe the first time this year, the Terps have played on actual ESPN. Um, UM Terps still has some tickets, and if you're looking to buy them on StubHub, you're looking at about $61 a ticket. So definitely one of the most expensive games this year, given that it's a Saturday, actual Saturday game at the Xfinity Center. Well, I'm sure what some of that jacked-up ticket prices is because of the huge alumni base that Ohio State has in the D.C. area. But regardless, I'm hoping the Terps get out there in droves. And even if Ohio State fans are there, they're all going to wear red. It'll be a good picture anyway. Yeah, I hope it reaches sellout. Obviously, this team, while they might not be the most entertaining team, is a fairly good one. Uh, they reached 20 wins. They're 20 and I think it's 20-7. and seven. They're pushing. They got a chance. I still think, given what Michigan is looking at, which is two games against Michigan State and that game at College Park, you know, suddenly you're talking a second place finish in the Big Ten in is in the picture. I don't think Purdue is unbeatable by any means for most teams. They almost lost... Uh, last night to Indiana, I think that there's a run in this team, a strong finish to the season. And I would really love to see it start with a blowout against Ohio State, which is a team that Maryland has done that to before. I remember once they dropped a couple of years ago, I think it was the last that modest season, Maryland dropped 100 on Ohio State. Well, on the second place in the Big Ten point, I'm not too sure about that because Purdue's last five games are a cakewalk. But yeah, well, Purdue's pushing for first. Purdue's pushing for first. Michigan State, I think, is probably a good contender for a second. But that's besides the point. I'm hoping this will be a fun game. Maryland, Ohio State will be on ESPN. For those watching at home, that'll be your first ESPN game. Since we played Radford on ESPNU back in December. This season, I think Mason's going to be a very interesting one to look back on when the time comes. But that is for another day. Yes, it is. Hopefully, Maryland pushes to 21-7 and on the season with a win against Ohio State on Saturday. And I think that's a wrap. Actually, I got one more thing. Shout-out to Lewis Dubik on Maryland Lacrosse, who's back behind the back goal last night against Colgate, was number three on the Sports Center Top 10 today. And that's all I got. And that's all I got as well. And go Terps. Yeah, a lot of good games this weekend in College Park. Um, hopefully the Maryland baseball team can actually get a bounce back uh, weekend against Maine to start off their home slate. Uh, lots of good Terps action, and we will be back 
on Sunday here on the podcast. And before we go, we would like to thank all of our sponsors, Viner Four Gates and Rockville, for all of your business IT needs. Viner Four Gates is the place to go. You can visit them on the web at the number one viner.com or give them a call at 301 251 2900. That is Viner Four Gates Ally Party Rentals. If you're looking to plan the perfect party of any size, Allied Party Rentals has all your tables, chairs, linens, china. They got it all at Allied. You can visit their website at alliedpartyrentals.com. And, of course, Maryland Eurocars. If you're looking for five-star service for your European car, look no further than Maryland Eurocars. It is a true five-star experience. Audis, BMWs, Mercedes, they do them all at Maryland Eurocars. You can give Christian a call at 301 217 5831 to service your European car. And that's going to do it for the 95th episode of the Young Turfs podcast. We'll be back on Sunday after Maryland hopefully takes down Ohio State. And as always, thanks for listening.